Hey, so we got another episode here of the People of Packaging podcast, and one of our sponsors is Specrite. I've been posting about this all week. It is becoming more and more critical for brands and brand owners to take control of your data, own your data. Go to specrite.com, S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T.com backslash P-K-G. Sign up for your free trial. All right, so I am I am joined by Joey Ripoll. Joey is with Conran Design Group. If you're watching this interview, you can see behind me their website. is a, It is a huge huge branding and design company and so joey and i get into talking talking about packaging and the role that they play in this world if you want to learn more about packaging design i highly recommend connecting up with joey connecting up with conran design group and checking this thing out all right so remember support the podcast go visit specright.com backslash pkg you can also go to adampeak.com and click buy me a coffee if you're really feeling generous and buy me a delicious cup of joe so i can keep this thing going all right let's get to this interview with joey All right, I'm here with his his very first, uh, the first of many, Joey. By the way, uh, packaging podcasts. I'm I'm going to guess for you. I'm going to project that out there. That that this will be the first of many packaging podcasts that he'll be interviewed on. There's I don't know how many there are. Honestly, I think there's like twenty. Somebody somebody actually made a thing, and it was like the twenty best packaging podcasts in the world. And not to be, you know, like I have many leather bound books guy, but uh, we were number one on that list. So, <laughs> uh, which was, which was pretty fun and exciting. Uh, but I am joined by Joey Ripple from Conran Design Agency. Uh, Joey is, was uh, recommended to me by, uh, by a lady named Emily, who's uh, become super helpful and a great resource for us. And we're going to talk about design we're going to get into interdisciplines of design and how do you you know maybe finding people who have have kind of different backgrounds is important um you all right gonna make it sorry no you're fine you're fine uh just making sure like if we gotta okay cool cool uh so we're gonna get into some stuff so joey uh you know welcome man uh welcome to your 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 first packaging podcast. I'm happy that you came on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So I I looked a little bit at your your background and I find it interesting because not only do you have this interdisciplinary angle, but you, you know, unless you were lying on your LinkedIn, which I, I hope not, you shouldn't do that, everybody. It's just a, that's a free, it's free advice. Uh, you, you've been in school in Texas, and in on the west coast in pepperdine and now you're in new york city so those are three different areas of the u.s um so maybe talk about that journey like how did you how did you did you grow up in texas like how'd you end up in Austin? i don't even know if i have that right in the in the order was it your undergrad at ut that's yeah that's right so i okay. grew up in the um i was a military brat so we moved a bit um but I basically could consider home, so to speak, Texas. It's where okay. I grew up the longest. Uh, I did go to undergrad in Texas at UT Austin for architecture. 
I then moved to New York for work in architecture and then shifted into branding. Um, took a, a little bit of time off, went to the, the West Coast in LA for grad school for an MBA, and then ended up back here on the East Coast in New York for, uh, for work again, and have been here ever since. Is the Pepperdine campus as beautiful as everyone says it is? Oh, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I used to surf every morning before class. It was, it was everything. <laughs> but you had to learn, you had to learn how to surf though, right? Oh, like you, yeah. 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 How, and to be honest, I'm still awful, but it's fine. Oh, I couldn't do it. I lived in San Diego. I lived in North County, San Diego for like three years. And I had a bunch of friends who were like, you've got, you got to come surf. You got to come surf. And I'm like a, a grown adult at this time in my life. And I would go out there and I'm like, this is miserable. Like I'm just getting murdered by these waves it seems like every single like i'll just go to a pool and swim for a workout like <laughs> i don't i don't need i don't need this whole thing like i've got sand everywhere and every crevice <laughs> of my body and it's super i was like i'm over it i got i could i could not do it and i'm sure like once you have that moment i snowboard a lot and i still remember when I was learning to snowboard, it was like miserable, miserable, miserable. And then you start connecting turns and you're like, this is the greatest sport ever. I'm yes. sure there's that moment with surfing. I just never got it. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's painful for a while until that moment. Got it. Well, I didn't, I was not patient enough for that. <laughs> uh, and then, um, so that's cool. So the, the perspective then of travel, did you have to, did you grow up internationally at all then as a military brat where or is it all here in the U.S.? All in the U.S., but okay. just um, varying coasts. And I like having the perspective of different places from the country, even though the rest of the world sees America as one thing. It's so vastly different. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. 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 I, I like that. Not to put any pressure on you, but where's your favorite? Oh, I, <laughs> I love L.A. Yeah. Yeah, through and through. Got it. Okay. Well then that's fair. You just say it. Like, um, I thought that would be like asking like, which of your kids is your favorite, but, um, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, LA is, uh, I, I actually like, I like New York city more than LA to be completely honest. Um, which is weird for a lot of people, I think, but I, I but I've, I've also lived in Southern California. I've never lived in New York city, certainly mm -hmm. living in the city with a family of seven would be like, it'd be like us and Jim Gaffigan. Like we'd be the only <laughs> two. I think we'd be the only two families that were trying to pull it off. And I certainly <laughs> don't have the, the, the same money that Jim Gaffigan has. Well, yeah, that's cool. And so that perspective, then it, it, it not only gives you perspective uh, from an architectural design standpoint of just seeing all, because the cultures are different and the architecture is, is, way different all around the u.s at least as i've traveled around the u.s i've noticed it right um, yeah and so was that really beneficial to bringing that into that part of your design background then was knowing when you know when was it residential architecture or commercial architecture or sort of a mix of both uh my background's mostly in commercial so workplace design or retail design i've never really done residential design okay uh, except for myself, but um, it's kind of like a giant equation. I pick up like a little bit of this from there, a little bit of that from here. Um, in terms of design, in terms of culture, in terms of behaviors, like things I say, 
I like that combination of, of all of it coming together in sort of unexpected ways. Yeah, and it seems like this idea, like architecture seems like a this beautiful combination, similar to packaging actually, where it's like you have to be highly functional. You can't have something beautiful that's falling apart. Uh, that's that's bad architecture, right? Like it's not just artwork, but it also has to be aesthetically pleasing. Um, so was were you always that way? It's just kind of having both sides that the right, was it right brain, left brain? Which one is which, by the way? I don't ever remember these things. All right, before we get to that, just hard-hitting question, which is which, right brain, left brain? Come on, Peak. Uh, let's take a quick break here to talk about Specrite. Uh, you've heard me talk about it now for a while. If you follow me on LinkedIn, I'm, I've been talking about it a lot. It is so critically important today. Listen, there are supply chain shortages all over the place. If you need to pivot... Right, remember, pivot, pivot. If you need to pivot quickly and you don't own your data, if you don't know where it is, then you are in trouble. Take control back of your data. Go to specrite.com backslash PKG. Check out their specification management platform and uh, select free trial to get your free trial. Let's get back to this interview with Joey. I think right brain is, is uh, creative and left brain is analytical, but I'm actually not sure now. That I say that. I wish right brain was analytical because then I could I could stick it away like right means I'm right you know like definitively right I'm analytical but maybe it's maybe I'm, maybe right means wrong I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so did you always grow up this way then I I really did I really have been split down the middle of my brain my entire life um I am creative but I'm not the most creative person and I am also analytical, but I'm also not the most analytical person. I like that combination. It's a little bit of um, the way that I grew up. Like my mother was very creative. My father was um, an engineer, so he was very analytical. That combination, I, I then sort of copy pasted the same combination in my education, architecture and a business degree. Um, and even in the, the path of my career that I took, I mean, I started out in sort of straight up design architecture, um, but then shifted over time to brand strategy, uh, which for me, when it comes to design, yes, I love things that are beautiful and that's fantastic. But I, I my shift to branding was that things should be beautiful, but why should they be beautiful? So it was connecting the design back to sort of that strategic underpinning of whatever a brand may be about. Um, so that's sort of how I, how I approach yeah. things with design. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And so how there, there's kind of a, a gap, obviously, this is the people of packaging podcast, not uh, Adam's architecture podcast, uh, which would be really even more uh boring than maybe some people think this is my daughter, by the way, I, I gave, I got to give a TEDx talk on packaging. So I yeah. told the story of my TEDx talk, but when I first started this, uh, with, uh, with my buddy, Ted, I was telling my family, I was like, Hey, I'm going to start a packaging podcast. And my daughter goes, uh, what's so cool about packaging. So you put the label on the bottle and then you put the bottle in the box. <laughs> like, what else are you going to talk about? Um, but so, so, you know, being at, seeing as this is a, a packaging podcast, 
what was it that drew you into packaging from architecture? Where did that leap happen? That's not, that, that is not a normal, it makes sense. Like we've talked about the right brain, left brain, analytical, creative, that plays really well into packaging and, and specifically brand strategy and executing the brand strategy using packaging. But how did that come about for you? Um, so getting into packaging was actually a little bit accidental, um, to be honest. The, I, my previous, the, the previous branding agencies I worked at didn't really focus on packaging, but where I'm at now, Conrad Design Group does do packaging um, for CPG goods, like stuff you'd find in a grocery store, but also for pharmaceuticals and medication. Um, the, the work in packaging for me is that it is another version of architecture. Architecture is just some experience around you. It's, it is physical and I'm sure there may be digital pieces to it, but it is a physical experience that someone can touch and interact with. And packaging in my mind is the same thing. It's just another physical experience. It doesn't happen to be around you. It's in your hands. But in that way, I kind of see them as, as parallels um, in terms of how a consumer or customer is interacting with a brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, so did you make the move to Conran Design? Is it Design Agency or Design Group? I want to get it right. Design Group. Design Group. Did you make the move to Conran Design Group knowing that you were going, like you wanted to get into packaging? Or was it like me when I got into packaging, I was like, I need a job. <laughs> like I wasn't, I wasn't passionate. It wasn't like I got into packaging, like, ah, I just want to, I love unboxing things. I was like, I really need work and <laughs> this place is going to pay me to work being honest. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what, that's what it was for me. Yeah. I, I fell in love with the industry after I got into it. So what was that like for you then? So I'll get back to the packaging, I promise. Okay. I went to Conran um, a lot because of the name. If, if you've grown up in architecture, you know the name of Sir Terence Conran, a UK designer who actually passed away last year, but he was sort of a, um, a major figure in the architecture world in terms of bringing design, like high design to everyday things so that many people can afford. Um, the name Conran is not well known in the US, just the nature of the beast, but it is well known in Europe and the UK. Uh, he has this uh, store called the Conran Shop, just kind of like design within reach as sort of the best parallel. Yeah. Um, so that's usually the only bit of context that somebody in the US will know. But the Conran Design Group in the UK is, is a, a big shop, about 120 people. Um, but there was the opportunity to start a um, New York shop version of it. Um, small startup, I like that idea. Um, I thought Conran could do really well in the US. Um, of course, it's gonna take a while to get there. But for me, that's the opportunity I saw, just okay. bringing that philosophy to the US and how then it applies to brands. And then the other piece of it is that I, I don't like brand strategy for the sake of brand strategy. 
like just to do something to strategize. I like when those words on paper turn into something because that's actually tangible. So with regard to Connor and Design Group, like we do, yes, brand strategy, we do naming, we do uh, logo design, we do packaging design. Um, so the fact that that strategy is turning into stuff and packaging being one of those, I thought it was really interesting. Once I really got into it um, is when I got really hooked on on packaging design. Kind okay, of cool. You we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, so the name, because of your connection to architecture, that's what that's what really drew you to the agency. Um, and to be fair, I outside of knowing that we were going to have a conversation today, I, I didn't know who Conrain was. So, yep. um, and maybe, you know, apologies to my uh, UK and EU listeners, uh, which we do have actually quite a few of. Um, we've had uh, a number of guests from uh, from the UK and from the EU on here. Uh, so, okay, so that makes sense. And was there anything else about about packaging that you sort of either from your background doing, um, you know, working in other disciplines outside of architecture that kind of drew you into packaging? Um, and, and how do you kind of bridge bridge those worlds together when you're looking at brand strategy and packaging? Um, yeah, so it's really easy for the the average person to think of packaging as just a box with a label on it and really air quotes packaging design is just graphics on a box. Um, but the element that while not every brand can afford or even want to invest in um, is the, the structure itself and the experience around that structure I think are really interesting, which is a little more of the connection for me back to architecture. Um, like the box doesn't have to be a rectangle. Uh, it can be a tube. The you know unwrapping experience or unboxing experience doesn't have to be just lifting the lid. It could be sliding something out. It's little changes that you may not notice on an everyday basis, but when you have all the pieces come together, like beautiful graphics, a really interesting structure, a really memorable um, experience, that's when packaging sort of shines. Yeah, for sure. Have you noticed? During the last year and a half, it's not as though e-commerce and retail are have like e-commerce has been growing for a while. It's not like COVID all of a sudden was like, "What's the internet? What's this Amazon website?" Like they existed, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty popular, but it really accelerated the growth. Have you noticed now when you're doing brand strategy specifically around packaging? that that experience has become heightened or are, are you, as you guys are working with brands, are you seeing more pressure put on the designers to create that experience in the home as maybe a, a I don't know, a, a replacement for the experience that they would have normally had a retail? Uh, how, 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 how are you navigating as a designer and a brand strategist, those sorts of, tensions right now? Yeah, um, so over this past year and a half or so, packaging definitely has become more important. Of course, it varies based on the product and the customer and 
um, the situation, but in general, the role of the package has had to do more for a brand because you don't, because mm. customers don't get to go into that store to interact with the brand. So it's, I mean, years ago, omni-channel was the word that everybody used. Um, this is just a different iteration of omni-channel. We've sort of increased the emphasis on some of the touch points and decreased it on others like retail. But the, the way I see it is that with that box that shows up or pack that shows up to a customer's home, that has to do all of the heavy lifting for the brand, except for that first digital experience. Mm -hmm. So the box has a bigger level of importance to it. It has to do more things. Um, and honestly, that means that there's more opportunity with it. So you can take more time and invest more energy and money into um, designing the pack because it is going to do more for, for a brand. Yeah, it's kind of like, and I've used this example before, to your point of the heavy lifting is if, you know, if, if you want to, let's say you have an outside sales team for a business and, and you, you are, you're paying those people well, and you're investing into sales enablement, like you're investing into that entity of your business because you want them to perform more. You want to optimize that side of things, you know, marketing operations. You want to optimize your, your marketing strategy. And things. Like you're putting money into those things. Well, packaging, just like how we used to, and probably people still say this, which is like, you know, your website is, is a sales arm, you know, I mean, make sure you invest in it. Yep. For a while, packaging, I think, was sort of way down the list to your point of, of things that people would put money into as a sales and marketing entity. Not, I mean, obviously they had to spend money on it, but it yeah. was, it was this like necessary evil almost like, I, yeah, I guess we got, we should probably get to packaging design. And it seems like that's been getting more run. Like it's, it's going up the rungs a little bit in terms of brand importance as especially with the explosion of unboxing videos to your point on, on YouTube and social media and TikTok and Instagram. It's not like all of these places where brands are literally getting put on blast in front of millions of people because of packaging. And that yeah. was not the case five years ago at all. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I told it, I mean, I see it from my end working in packaging manufacturing. We see more brands saying, we know this is going to cost us more but the value outweighs the cost significantly because of the experience that we're going to be kind of driving. Um, yep, so I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm right there with you. How much time do, do you spend with a brand on strategy versus uh, executing the strategy? Where does, where does Conran kind of fall in, in, in that, in that world, I guess, or you can even just say, this is, this is what we do. Uh, at, at, at Conrad. Yeah. So, um, as far as brand strategy goes, it's really just setting the foundation or it's building the foundation of the house. Um, so it might be like brand positioning. We sometimes will do brand architecture, which is thinking about like portfolios and relationships of brands to each other and a master brand. Um, 
that really sets the that foundation and sort of set the blueprint for what else happens. And then that's probably like a third of our work. And then everything from there is more execution oriented, though we don't all always get involved in the tangible execution of it. Like we may just design packaging, for example, and interact with the manufacturers, but we're not there for the whole manufacturing process, for example. Um, and in more of the execution stage, we deal with verbal expression like naming or naming systems, uh, visual expression like logos and the whole design system around them for a brand um, or, or experiential expression, something more like packaging or the built environment. Okay. Uh so far, my, my second favorite part of the interview, other than getting to know you, has been the appearance of your dog on, on the screen, which is awesome. If you're listening to this podcast, you will not experience this, but uh, what's, your, what's your dog's name? Because he, he's making, he really wants to be part of this interview. He's like, make sure I'm on this packaging podcast. You're not getting all the shine. Yes, this is Kona. She is a Vishla, which is the Velcro dog. So she is either usually on the screen or just off screen. All okay. <laughs> what you said this, like the, they're called the Velcro dog. Yeah. I've never, what does that mean? You said that like, I should know what that means. I don't oh, I'm know sorry. what that means. Yeah. <laughs> it means that she basically always has to have one paw on me at all times. Oh, is, is that normal for that particular brand or not brand? Wow. Uh, <laughs> that breed. <laughs> Yes, all dogs love to be with their owners. Vishla is like ramp it up times a hundred. And like, I'll be laying on the sofa. She'll just come sit on my chest. Like she's like a cat in certain regards. She's also 50 pounds and thinks that she's a lap dog. So there's like a lot of, yeah. Yeah, no, she's there's a, there is a, this, I, I, I've, I will never mention this in another podcast, I think ever, but there is an obscure, this is the most random thing I've ever said. There is an obscure hidden track on, on, from a 90s ska band called Five Iron Frenzy. And it's called, it's, it's the, I don't know why, it's called Kitty Doggy. And it's just like this weird song where they're just like playing the drums and it's like way back here. And it's like, Kitty Doggy, I love you. Kitty Doggy, Kitty Doggy. I don't know. So that's. Why I have that locked into my brain from the 90s is beyond me, but it's there and this is what I have to live with. Um, Five Iron Frenzy has now, you can cross that off on your yes. packaging podcast bingo, I guess. Um, well, that's that's awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad Kona could be here as well um, and uh, and that she could she could also participate. Uh, how many, uh, do, do you do any uh, pet food uh, company packaging design do you guys specialize in that oh, at all i wish but no we do I'm trying, to, I'm trying to transition out of my very oh, I very <laughs> serious rabbit hole not like consumer packaging for pet care um but we do actually do a bunch of work in animal health um so more on like the medication or diagnostics end of it okay cool yeah and that's another thing that i i think I think people really don't quite understand. I just had a, a, a guest on who spe he specializes in medical device packaging, but it's like the, the packaging that we see as consumers on the shelf or that comes to us 
is actually a fraction of all of the packaging that exists in the world. And, and certainly healthcare, pharmaceutical, med device, like all of the, I mean, you want to talk about when it was really highlighted, honestly, was the, I think it was the Pfizer vaccine when it was first approved had to be kept at some ridiculously low temperature. And so what, what rose to the forefront was distribution and packaging. Like, how are we going to get this to everybody at the temperature that needs to stay at? So, you know, that was kind of our, our 15 minutes of fame uh, when it came to helping out with the, the pandemic. So do you, do you spend a lot of time personally on kind of directing strategy with, is it sort of all across the board or do you have a specific area that you have tended to focus on? Um, over the course of my career, there's been no particular, uh, industry focus, um, everything from like energy to hospitality, to aviation, to healthcare, um, over the past couple of years at Conran, um, just given the nature of how we fall within our parent company, we do a lot of healthcare design, um, specifically in pharma. So positioning, naming, designing, and doing packaging for individual drug products. Um, Packaging in healthcare is, I'll be the first and not the last to admit, is painful. Um, There's the sort of obvious things in terms of like, sure, there's probably regulatory or legal requirements around it, but there's also an interesting level of customer perception challenges. Like when you get a bottle of something or a blister of something of, of a medication, you know, it, it looks the way it looks and it's pretty standard and they all kind of look the same. You just change a color here or there, but there's a reason it all looks that way. It's all white with blue on top of it because of contrast. So everyone can see it. Um, but there's also no real reason that I need to be reminded that I'm a patient or I'm sick when I'm taking the drug. Like it doesn't have to feel so functional, um, or, kind of sad or undesigned. Um, But then when you think about how expensive medication is, especially in the US, given our healthcare structure, like patients are also incredibly sensitive to it costing any more. And if the package looks too nice, so to speak, they think they're overpaying for it. Meanwhile, this already happens in industries like cosmetics where the packaging costs more than the product. But it's just that crazy sensitivity around that industry that makes it almost extra challenging. Yeah, no doubt. I, uh, I am fortunate enough to spend a good amount of time in Southeastern India. And I was there with, uh, with somebody and, and he got sick and we had to go to the pharmacy and, you know, get medication <laughs> and, and his, his dad is a doctor. So he kind of figured out, he said, this is what you need. Da, 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 da. And I was floored at how inexpensive <laughs> the medication was and they were it, it's the same things that we get here we don't have to go down that we don't have to chase that one down but uh it, it is that is an interesting component of and actually a, an angle that i've never really teased out is customer perception of value with healthcare and pharmaceutical but it's absolutely true it's the same sort of thing i mean you still get it you still have to take it and i would say there's probably a renewed effort to at least talk about sustainability when it comes to healthcare and pharmaceutical packaging. However, 
necessarily that really takes a backseat to functionality. Like I, yeah. I don't want to know that somebody cut corners on a screw that's going to go into my knee replacement and it's going to stay in my body, but it could, they could have introduced contaminants that could then kill me because they wanted packaging that was a little bit more sustainable, right? Like I kind of want to know, like they did a hundred percent of what was the most functional way to make sure that that is not contaminated is, you know, never, <laughs> yes, exactly. whatever, the, whatever the thing is. It's uh, an interesting balance that it hadn't really crossed my mind until we got into the depths of it. It's like, why would someone not want a package that felt of higher quality? Yeah. To then support a message of this drug I'm putting in my body is of high quality. But there's that like, and I get both sides. There's that like fine line of where it's like too expensive versus not expensive enough and right. how quality plays in and all the, there's just like a lot layered there. And there's been a real theme throughout this whole conversation I picked up on, which I think is really, which is really valuable, which is that your perspective, your background, you know, what you bring into the industry is the ability to not only lean on previous experiences to help navigate that fine line and help your customers see where that fine line is. Um, but you're also comfortable working in, in, you know, kind of these, these sort of like middle gray zones, right. Where it's like, we're not quite sure, but let's, let's just be comfortable here. Let's rest in this tension for a little bit. Um, as I'm sure you've had, you know, through, as you talked about, your mom is really creative. Your dad is really analytic. You're living in all these places. You've been all across the U.S. You've been in these different industries. And, and I think it's the beauty of that kind of perspective that we can, it's, it's part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast was to allow people to see new perspectives, right? Yeah. Because it is really important, uh, especially in the packaging industry where we tend to, we tend to not not be the most welcoming of people outside of the industry to come in. And I'm like, no, we need to be way more welcoming, right? Like we need to, we need to just be bringing more and more people in from uh, diverse and different ethnic backgrounds and different industries and different parts of the world. And you know, like, just bring everybody in and open up the, you know, make the table bigger, basically. Like, yeah, because when we do that, I think we're going to find a lot better problem or be a lot better solutions to the problems that we have and oftentimes have introduced because we have not traditionally done that. So uh, yeah. kudos to you for getting involved in, in, into packaging and, uh, and for it is, and, and so Conran, they, they obviously do more than packaging, right? They're doing all sorts of other branding strategy and design. You, you kind of mentioned that before. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and you do, you don't only you specifically as a, as a, human on earth uh in your job you you do more than packaging as well is that correct that is correct yes. okay got it got it just want to make sure that a, oh yeah we are a small crew in new york but um you know part of a bigger conran uh most of the work that i do focuses on packaging design brand strategy and naming sort of cool. where i lean into but there are a few of us so we all lean into all sorts of parts but yeah Another thing that to your last point that I like is getting, you know, having a designer participate in a strategy project because you're getting an entirely different angle, having a pure strategist partic participate in some way with design because you're just 
all sorts of different perspectives lead to really cool outcomes. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember once uh, we at a previous company, we did a lot of these like CEO Kaizen events at the at, at the manufacturing lines yep. and they brought in like a sales leader and the sales leader during one of these sessions just, you know, raised his hand and said, uh, how come we're not running these at this facility in, within our company? And everyone was like, well, because they've always run here, right? Like that was the, that was the answer. Like they've always run here. And he's like, yeah, but I was just talking to that plant manager and he's really hungry for work. And you're saying you can't get stuff out over here. These seem like a perfect fit for them. They're like, well, we don't really know. And he's like, so I picked up the phone. I caught within two hours, that job was transferred to this other facility. Yep. And again, it wasn't like they weren't capable of thinking of it, right? Or that there was any, there was some sort of like, I don't know, uh, talent that they weren't able to perform this. It's just the perspective. Yep. He brought in this fresh perspective into that meeting and, and, you know, got, got this facility, the work that they needed and freed up the space that they needed in order to facilitate more work. So yeah, uh, that, sometimes that it needs is, a different set of eyes. I, I totally agree. Well, Joey, this has been great, man. Uh, how do, how would people get in touch with you if they want to reach out with questions, they want to connect with Conran on a project or just to get a sense of, some of the work that you're doing, what's the best way for people to connect up with you? Um, for Conran, easily get to, I mean, it's a long web address, but conrandesigngroup.com would be the best way to reach us out, uh, to reach us um, on the New York tab. Okay. Um, and I'm happy to give my email address if well, if you sure. want to reach out. Um. It's Joey. Do you, okay. do you want me to say it or do we? Sure. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. I'm, this is your. <laughs> it, uh, it, it's Joey, J-O-E-Y at jripple.com. It's J, my last name.com. All right, cool. And you're on LinkedIn as well. Are you active yeah. on there at all? Or like if somebody reached out to you there? I have a page. Yes, I will. Respond. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Cool, Joey. Well, um, again, man, appreciate you coming on. Uh, hopefully, we can connect up when I'm in uh, when I'm in New York City. Uh, I don't know if you guys go to Lux Pack at all, but it's a pretty it's a pretty great show out there. And uh, yeah, this is this has been great. I will um, make sure that these things get in the show notes so people can reach out to you if they've got questions or they just want to know about Velcro dogs. I'm sure you'd be excited to talk about any and all of it. Kona would be thrilled if I talked about her all day. Kona would be thrilled. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks, um, Joey. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Well, that is it for another episode of the People of Packaging podcast. Thanks for listening. It would mean so much to us if you would like and share and subscribe to this podcast. We want as many people to know about the incredible people that we have in the packaging industry because we believe that packaging is Awesome. Thanks again.